Hi everyone, welcome back to Prevention Nation, where we believe education and awareness can change the culture of violence. I'm your host, Roy Lutz. Hey, welcome back to Prevention Nation, it's Roy here. Um, Kaylin, what are we talking about right now? We're going back into mental health yeah. um, and the brain. I have been talking about the brain, it feels like all month. Ever since you actually started working here, that's one of the things I really noticed about you right away is that you're very aware of uh, our brain chemistry, our brain processes, how that impacts learning, trauma, all that stuff. So, yeah, so I feel like there's nobody better to talk about this than you or a doctor. Maybe you are. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Yes. Not, definitely not that qualified. Okay. But I do have a degree in psychology with a focus in neuroscience. Um, so yeah. the brain has definitely always been a part um, of the human body that I was super interested. Obviously, you know, psychology, that's literally you're looking at the brain. Um, but when I came in to this position, I had just come from an intervention job where we were doing a lot on the brain. So I think when a lot of people think about traditional therapy, um, they're thinking about like talk therapy. But we worked from um, through a different type of process that we're actually going to talk about in a later podcast. Okay. But... Um, Let's go ahead and get into it. So I'm going to lead you on a story today about the brain. Okay, okay. let's do it. So um, when we're talking about mental health, um, it's really easy for us to say like, oh, that person is just being lazy when they have poor mental health that they don't want to get out of bed. Right. But there is that chemical reaction that's happening in their brain. Um, so our brain relies on neurotransmitters to communicate with the body. So we have our main neurotransmitters. I'm just going through the four like chief neurotransmitters here. So we've got dopamine, serotonin, glutamate, and norepinephrine. Um, so dopamine, it's our pleasure and reward. Um, I know that this is one that we struggle with a lot when people have drug addictions. I know mm -hmm. you had some interesting stuff to add about that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I've worked in and around the substance misuse field for a long time. And there are a number of different drugs. Um, I know like ketamine, um, uh, ecstasy, certain drugs that actually impact dopamine creation. And, you know, it's this, uh, this concept and idea of a person who's now, after some years of drug use or even some limited exposure to these drugs, unable to actually create that dopamine anymore. So they're unable to feel happiness, pleasure anymore. So it's uh, it's a dulled senses that that, that these experience that these people experience, and it's not it's not fixed with um, you know traditional drugs or things. I mean, these are some permanent impairment around uh, levels of happiness, and and you know when you think about uh, like you said, just you know get up, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, and dig in, and you got to make yourself better. Um, you know, I've always been a show of the a fan of the show Intervention, and I watch people uh, in in these shows. I watch people in real life in meetings in intervention services that I've worked um, tell drug uh, addicted uh, individuals, people suffering from substance misuse disorders, to just you just got to get yourself clean. You just got to, and you understand that that's not. Some people aren't even capable of that. They're not capable of ever experiencing life the way that they knew it prior to drug misuse. Or that you're aware of, you know, or that you're capable of. Um, so I just, it's when I was reading your notes, I just thought to myself, yeah, I mean, mental health awareness, what does a person suffering with that challenge do for mental health awareness? How are they even 
mentally aware of their mental health. I'm not sure. So. Exactly. So we were talking earlier actually about how it's a lock and key component. Right. So when you have um, different substances coming into your body and they're filling the place of that dopamine, they're filling mm -hmm. the place of that reward, that pleasure center, because the dopamine dopamine fits into the receptor like a key. So mm -hmm. it's very specific. So when you have different substances coming and filling that, your body is under the assumption it doesn't need to produce as much dopamine. Right. Right. So then when your body is gone with that substance, you're searching for it again. Your body isn't producing it the same way. Your brain is, is confused. Yeah. Right. That's what's happening. Your brain's confused. It doesn't understand what's going on. Sure. Um, but also, so you have the idea that there's, that's the idea of not enough dopamine, right? So mm -hmm. that's associated with depression, psychosis, um, even anxiety. Um, but with too much dopamine, you have things that people become competitive. They become aggressive. They could be lacking impulse control. So a lot of people with ADHD, um, they're struggling with that too much dopamine. Okay, um, so that might be my issue. A lot of dopamine going on. I can't focus. A lot of dopamine, yeah. <clears throat> but, interesting. Okay. So it's the idea of it's a balance, right? So too much or too little. Um, so your brain is constantly trying to search for that regulation. But the same thing with serotonin. So serotonin associated with rest, sleep moods sexual arousal hunger so too much um can actually lead to serotonin syndrome um i'm gonna read you some of the symptoms of serotonin syndrome because they don't sound wonderful shivering diarrhea muscle rigidity fever and seizures oh, good grief yeah so it can actually lead to death if not caught um pretty rare and is it the is it the low amounts of serotonin that causes a person to um not be able to get out of bed. Um, exactly. These kinds of, those, some of those depression. other things that you said, rest, sleep. So yeah, what we yeah. know of is depression. Yeah, depression, anxiety, sleep problems. And a lot of times, um, you know, also when your sleep is dysregulated, that yeah. can lead to anxiety and depression. Your brain is tired. It's not doing the other things it needs to do to balance your moods because it's just trying to be awake. Okay. Um, and then we have glutamate. So this is associated with learning, memory, feelings of excitement. So um, too much can actually cause your nerve cells to die. This actually leads to degenerative diseases. So like any kind of neurodegenerative disease, a neurological disorder, even fibromyalgia and OCD. Um, interesting. I think it's really interesting because when you have people um, around us that have OCD, it can feel very annoying. Um, my mom has OCD. Okay. And so my entire life i remember not having a lot of slack for her um, yeah because i'm like i don't understand why you're being like this <clears throat> mm -hmm. um but when it comes down to it it's in her brain she can't affect it we wouldn't be yelling at somebody with a neurodegenerative disease why are you like this they can't you wouldn't control think so. it um so i wonder how that connection is with so glutamate is associated with learning memory and feelings of excitement so too much is it is it causing them to become hyper fixated on um, uh, like, uh, I guess I think to myself with a lot of that OCD, just the compulsive behavior repetition. Yeah. I mean, is that just, is that just hyper fixated on a lot of those things? Is that what the glutamate is doing? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, and especially when it's causing those nerve cells to die. So that's a more extreme version. And that's what leads to those like higher end degenerative diseases. But yeah, OCD, you're just like overstimulated low not enough glutamate it causes delays in physical and mental development so is just is this like just just such low ability low capability to learn to memorize to feel 
Exactly. Excitement. Okay, so it's just those. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Look at all these chemicals. Okay, norepinephrine. What's this? Um, so it's related to your stress response. Um, it leads to fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that natural response that kicks in um, in our bodies when we're in a situation where we feel that stress, that panic. Um, <clears throat> norepinephrine is interesting because it actually can also act as a hormone. Um, and I think a lot of people get confused um, neurotransmitters versus hormones. But hormones act slowly and produce a longer effect. Whereas neurotransmitters happen at the synaptic, synaptic cleft. So that's where two different neurons come together. Okay. Um, so that's right there in the middle of all that. So it's that key and hole or key and lock that we were talking about earlier. Um, and it happens a lot quicker. So an example of a hormone would be like cortisol. So that's a stress hormone. Right. But norepinephrine acts as both a hormone and a neurotransmitter. So you can find it in both places in your body. Yeah. And it can happen quickly or it can be like a slow release at the same time. So... <clears throat> all that one made me think of when I looked at the notes was when we're talking about mental health in the brain and we're looking at, um, you know, the school-based resources and services we offer, the community services offer that w- service that we offer. And we think about, um, you know, obviously this, the discussion, whether it's community or school-based is always mental health awareness, right? We're always talking about the mental health of children and youth and the people that we're working with. Um, all I think about when I see norepinephrine is, Kids who are growing up in homes where they're seeing violence, um, when we see the impact of domestic violence, impact of poverty, the impact of hunger, the impact of some of these extraordinary things that a kid shouldn't have to deal with and have to go through, um, they have to have this increased stress response. They, I mean, norepinephrine must be, um, uh, you know, really actively going on i mean like this is this is this is what's occurring in their brain and and how do we respond to that by telling the kid like you know oh you should journal more you should you know i mean i think that there's this just i guess made me think to myself there's elements that we can do for mental health awareness mental health check-ins mental health um care but there's an element of things that are beyond I mean, this is this is the brain chemistry. This isn't just, you know, go take a walk. Exactly. This is a kid whose whose brain chemistry is being. I mean, we're talking neuroplasticity. Their brain is being changed by the experiences they're having in this world. That's impacting their mental health um, and and creating risk for them on a lot of levels, right? On on top of all the risks that are causing that chemistry in the brain. I mean, the the exposure to the violence and the food and all that stuff. So. I don't know. It's just made me think to myself, our work has to be not just about being aware of mental health, but also ending violence, stopping you know poverty, um, inter- intervening in food deserts. I mean, you know, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's even though it's our brain, there are those outside factors that are contributing to that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, obviously, a kid that is not going through the things that you're talking about isn't going to produce as much norepinephrine. Right. Um, but so they're not just going to be affected by anxiety and depression. We're looking at higher blood pressure. Like we're putting them at higher risk for heart diseases later. Yeah. In this is life. overall physical health. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so, but we wouldn't, we tackle those subjects so differently. Oh, we're talking about high blood pressure. Oh, well we need to do this, this, and this, and this, right? There's a list of things that we need to do for kids when, oh, we're seeing that they're having those physical stress symptoms on their heart. We don't want their heart to, um, you know, face stress later in life. But when we're talking about the effects, maybe it's 
symptoms of PTSD or mm-hmm. anxiety, depression, we're not doing anything like as much for them as yeah. that physical, but they're the same. They're related. They're interrelated. Yeah, they are. And oftentimes, I mean, I think oftentimes we're treating, we're treating it, you know, um, with remedies that probably are not, um, I mean, if, if a kid is going through some, uh, outside forces that are creating this increase in norepinephrine or decrease in norepinephrine and they're having memory problems and headaches and sleep problems. I mean, how many other drugs is this child being put on mm-hmm. to address some sleep issues? How many tests are they going to, and that's, those have got to be stressful being a kid going through tests, um, thinking you're different and being pulled out of school for one thing after another. I mean, like, uh, it's just got to, it just feels like it compounds. Um, and, and somewhere in there, we may not even know what the reality is that's causing this. We're treating a bunch of different symptoms. So something, yeah, exactly. Something I was going to say is that that really drove me crazy when I was doing intervention work was the amount of times that I was, I was seeing kids that were being, their symptoms were being treated, but mm-hmm. we weren't getting to the root cause right. of things. And often what would happen is um, that, diagnosis that was causing all this stuff wasn't getting caught because they were treating the symptoms so Mm -hmm. when they were going back to the doctor oh they're not experiencing that um lack of sleep because they're taking melatonin now Um, they're not experiencing um a lack of appetite anymore because they're taking something to help with that but there are other things that if they would have mentioned those things together Mm -hmm. oh we'd be saying they probably have adhd right right yeah so yeah things symptoms get masked um, yeah, it gets, so what's the solution to this? So, so you bring up mental health in the brain. Why is this important for our listeners to know? What does it matter to us? I think being aware, um, we, I've actually been in some meetings recently talking about the <clears throat> Warren County community. One of the priorities is mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what happens a lot is mental health gets removed from health because mental health is just regular health, right? We're talking about our entire bodies here. Um, and it's important for everybody because everybody is at one point going to maybe even just have a couple of weeks where they're more sad than usual. Yeah. Um, or maybe they do have big stressors in life. Everybody has a different definition of what is stressful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so being aware of what's going on in your brain, maybe even just giving people a chance to be mindful, taking that deep breath, you know, um, people are again, very quick to be, you're just lazy so mm-hmm. if everybody's aware that there is something going on inside of our bodies that's making us feel this way, if we're talking about different diseases that um, or different um, symptoms that are more physical that we would treat, that we would take seriously, um, just raises that awareness that mental health is health and we need to take that seriously. Well, I think that's a great place to end this on is, and I, I really love how you say that because if I, if I am running and I fall down and I injure myself like a physical injury I break a leg or um, I cut myself open that's my health I'm thinking about you know Mm -hmm. and I go to a doctor but we do seem to remove mental health from health these I think you just really reminded our listeners that this is internal this is no different than my lungs if I'm having trouble breathing my heart if I'm having you know if I'm having you know irregular heartbeats or my digestive system if I'm having trouble with you know foods and things my brain is just as much a part of me and it impacts maybe in, maybe I think even in bigger ways than, you know, some of those other things. Some of those things, I guess, are more, you know, life necessary, but, um, but gosh, 
isn't mental health life necessary too? So I just think mm-hmm. uh, I really appreciate you bringing this back to health, our health care, not just mental health. So yeah, yeah. great job. Um, pay attention to your um, your health, not just your mental health, but your health in general. Uh, see a doctor, talk with uh, talk with experts, and try to figure out and uh, treat the problems, not just symptoms. And um, yeah, think of think of mental health as bigger than just a, a feeling in your heart or how you're feeling right now, but it's actually how your brain chemistry is working. So um, think about that when you're thinking about mental health. Take care.